0: Now, uh, last week when we started this series in Song of Solomon, we're calling this series It's Not Complicated because we believe that God has a very clear path for relationships that's not complicated. And of course, we're, we're playing off the Facebook uh, relationship status where people change their relationship status too. It's complicated, right? And you always wonder when you see that, you're like, ooh, what's going on there? What's that about? Well, we believe the scriptures have a very clear path for relationships, and when they're followed, it's actually not complicated. And that's one reason why we're doing Song of Solomon. But the other reason we're going through Song of Solomon is because it is a book written by God through Solomon about relationships, about attraction, about dating, about marriage, about conflict, about sex, about lasting commitment. And I think my marriage needs this book. I think your relationships need this book. That's why we're doing it. And we also believe that that under God's leadership, we are a church for those who don't have a church, which means I believe this community is a safe community for people to come and explore who God is and what Jesus has done for them. And so what this means is that this book, as it moves from attraction to dating to marriage to sex to conflict to lasting commitment, if you know someone who's in any of those phases, invite them to join you for this series. Because here's what I promise. As we talk through this, because oftentimes when you talk about relationships, there's usually a lot of shame and a lot of shoulds that come along with it. We're not going to do that. What I promise you is that shame will not be the motivating factor here for having better relationships. But what will be the motivating factor here for better relationships is Jesus. And we will hold him up as our perfecter. And that's what we wanna see. We wanna see people come together, looking at this ancient book, Song of Solomon, and see Jesus in it, and see how to be better, not do better. And so that's why we're doing this series. So let me catch you up uh, uh, where we were last week. We met this couple in Song of Solomon, And last week we saw through the woman's eyes what attraction looks like. She saw this guy, Solomon, and she was attracted to him, not because of his title, that he was king, not because at this point he was the richest man uh, in the known world, but she was attracted to him because of his character, that he was this godly man. And we saw a little bit about her, that we saw he was attracted to her because of her identity. If you remember, she, she wasn't defined by her flaws. She looked at herself, and she knew that she had some flaws, particularly in her physical appearance at the time. She had been working outside, and, and her words were, I took care of the vineyard of my family, but I didn't take care of my vineyard, meaning that, that she looked at herself, and she was like, right now, I'm not that pretty, but she also called herself Lovely, and so her 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 identity was anchored in something other than the shifting flaws that she saw in herself. And so, as we did this, we, we 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 as followers of Christ were asked the question: What is what is our character and our identity centered on? Is it on stuff that shifts, or is it in the truth of the gospel? Because if in, if it's in the shifting sand of our flaws, or or, or, or our mistakes, or our failures, or our sin, then, then what happens is, is our character and our identity is always moving too. But the, 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 the gospel and the truth of the gospel is our anchor for our character and our identity. And today we'll be in Song of Solomon... We'll be in Song of Solomon. We'll do verse 1-7 through chapter 2, verse 7. If you want, you can go ahead and grab the Bible in front of you. It's on page 455 in that Bible. Um, If you don't own a Bible, please take that one with you. We would love for you to have it. Um, Also, if you're using a smartphone, you can uh, download the Bible app. uh, And that has multiple translations of the Bible right there at your fingertips. But you can also uh, engage with us on the Bible app. If you click under events and click under Fellowship Asheville, we're there. And if you're looking for Song of Solomon, if you open up the book, the Bible right in the middle, you'll hit Psalms. And then if you keep going to the right, you'll hit Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then Song of Solomon. That's where it is. It's, it's in what's called the wisdom literature. And last week, we saw this couple in Song of Solomon move from attraction. Uh, and today, we're going to see them move from attraction to dating. Now, in my notes, I have like quotation marks around dating because I think it's important for us to know that dating didn't exist when this book was written. Right, It is a, a Johnny-come-lately in the category of relationships. It's only been around for a couple of centuries. Uh, a couple of centuries ago, nobody dated. They courted. Uh, they, they, uh, there was often arranged marriages. Uh, actually, most of Solomon's marriages, because we talked about this last week, he actually had uh, was it 700 wives and 300 concubines. Those were arranged marriages, mostly for political reasons and monetary reasons. Which is why this book stands out, because he got to experience true love. And so he, could, he knew the difference between relationships that were forged for other reasons and, and relationships that was based on, on God's plan and God's way. And so, so that's why we look at this book and, and we can trust uh, he knows what he's talking about because he's experienced it all, like literally. But what we're going to see as we see them date, is we're going to see something uh, that we all need, that applies to all of us. Because here's what we're going to see. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the whole point of this message. And it's this. Words have power. Because as they move into this dating relationship, we're going to see the words that they speak to each other. And we're going to see just how much power those words have. Now... Uh, Fair warning, Um, as often happens whenever I'm about to preach something, I'm a miserable failure at it Saturday before, right? And this weekend was no exception. I'm going to stand up here and talk about words having power, but I want you to know yesterday, for some reason, nothing could come out of my mouth that didn't sound defensive or frustrated, at least according to my wife, who was very clear to tell me that that sounds defensive, so, I, so about noon, I just started keeping my mouth shut, all right, because I knew what was coming. And, and, and so know that, that when we go through this passage, you don't have a pastor standing in front of you that has nailed this, right? We are all working on this, and I'm going to give hope at the end because it's the same hope that, that I cling to as well, and I, and I hope that you do too. But here, we're going to see words have power. All right, look at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, and let's, let's jump in. So uh, uh, it starts off, tell me whom my soul loves. Where do you pasture your flock? Where do, you make it lie, where do you make it lie down at noon? And why should I be like one who veils herself beside your flocks of your companions? All right, so this is the woman speaking, and here's what she's asking. She wants to know where Solomon is going to be. She wants to know where his entourage is, where, where are his people going to be? Because, because what she's trying to do is, is what we see here is they're going to have this date set up. Now, for, 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 for sake of clarity and to save confusion, because here's what I love. In our day and time, people get so creative about things, Right? Like, oh, that's not a date. That's not really a date. This is a date. That's not a date. This is a date. So what I want to do is I want to give us a very clear definition of what a date is so we can all be on the same page. All right? A date is this. So a date is when you and someone with whom you're attracted, right? So ladies, you may or may not have already put his last name behind your first name, right? Even in your mind, if not written down on paper, guys... You think she's cute, right? That's attraction. So when you and someone with whom you are attracted have agreed to be at the same time at the same place, that is a date, right? So church, does that mean even if there's a group of people there and the two of you are attracted to each other and you agree to be there at the same time in the same place, does that count as a date? Yes. Does that mean if you're attracted to him and, 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 and she's, attra- she's attracted to him and he's attracted to her, and y'all text and say, hey, are you going to be at church today? Yes. Me too. What service? Yes. Second, yes, I'll see you there. Great. Is that a date? Yes, it is. Yeah, because see, this is where we get creative, right? No, no, that's not a date. Yes, it is, all right? Same time, same place. If there's attraction, it's a date. Here's why this is important. You need to know what you're engaging in, what level of relationship you're engaging in, so you can do it well, right? Because confusion complicates things. Clarity keeps relationships not complicated. And so she's asking for a date. She wants to know where he is going to be because she wants to be there. Now let's watch this couple have their date. And for those of you who are single, I want you to take notes on what you're about to see. For those of you who are married, you don't get a pass here, right? Just because you've dated and 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 landed uh, the plane, you do not get to have a pass here. Because what we're going to see with words having power is that it is what makes dating work, but it is also what makes a it's what takes a marriage from good to great. So let's look at the first aspect of their date. Verse, verse. Um, where are we? Uh, you know, I said seven and eight, but I didn't finish eight, did I? Okay, well, let's read eight. Um, uh, so this is, this is this, so it keeps going. Um, if you do not know, oh, most beautiful woman, follow the tracks of the flock and the pasture of your young goats beside the shepherd's tent. So that's, that's them landing on the time and place. And so, so now, this, so it changes a little bit. He's, I compare you, my love. And I want to stop there because, because what's happened is she's wanted to go to where he is, she gets there. And he sees her, and, and he calls her something. He calls her my love, or he, he calls her my darling. What's interesting is this term that he uses for her is only used eight times in the entire Bible, and he always uses it for her. And so this is his little nickname for her. Now, what's interesting, as you move into this dating phase of relationship, from, from attraction to dating, nicknames emerge. Right, I've got a nickname for Stacy. I call her Babe. Right, that's just that's just my nickname for her. Uh, her nickname for me is Love. That's what she calls me. Whenever I call, it says Love Baker on her phone. Why it has my last name, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's another love, I don't know. Uh, But that's what it says when I, when I call her phone. I call her babe. The only time you'll hear me call her Stacy, if if, if it's just a crowd of people and, and like, I need her to know that I'm talking to her, I'll call her babe. But at home, when we're on the phone, it's babe. As a matter of fact, one time I accidentally called Luke babe and he's like, that's not my name, that's mommy's name. Right, I mean that's that's how it's understood in our family. There's this nickname, and so so if you're married, let me ask you this: Do you have a nickname for your spouse? If you're married, do you have a nickname that's just between the two of y'all? And listen, I, I haven't heard this much here in in uh, North Carolina, but I, I heard it in Texas. I heard it in Tennessee. Um, guys, if you're married, please don't let your nickname for your wife be ma or mom or mother right? Let me tell you, first of all, it's very awkward for those of us who have to hear you call your wife mother. And secondly, no woman wants to be called mother by her husband, right? Find another one. That's a free, that's free piece of advice. Um, all the women in the house are saying amen. So, so singles, are you dating someone? If so, here's what's going to happen. A nickname is going to emerge. There's going to be a story. There's going to be something that happens, and a nickname is going to emerge. Let it. You know, if you're in this dating phase, let that nickname stick because what it shows is that there is, is this connection between the two of y'all that's unique from everybody else because that is what dating is. And that's where our culture gets it confused, that, that it's not this special connection. It's just, it's, just, it's just this next step of the relationship. Y'all, that doesn't exist. The next step in a relationship from attraction is this special connection. And that nickname is what, 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 what frames that and, 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 and what solidifies that. So, so listen to the rest of this, because now he's going to compliment her. And so, so verse 9 says, I compare you, my love, to a mare among the Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of, ju- of jewels. We will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. Now, I'm going to have to explain this verse a little bit, right? Because I don't want anybody calling the person uh, you're dating a horse like he does right because a mare is a female horse, which I know that doesn't make it any better, but let me tell you the story that he's drawing from um, in uh, about twelve hundred BC there was this battle between the Egyptians and uh, this group of people called the kadesh and the, the it, it, if 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 you know anything about Egyptian history, which honestly I don't, I just know this story, but, but it's a pretty important battle for the Egyptian army because they used more chariots than they ever had before. There's actually questions about who actually won this battle, whether the Egyptians won it or the Kadesh won it. But what's interesting is what happened in that battle that this smaller nation, even though it was this powerful move of Egypt, uh, they did something that was unique, that, that kind of toppled the, the, the balance scales. Because what they did is is they knew all the Egyptian horses were male horses that had been specifically trained for battle. They're strong and they're powerful. Well, what they did, what the Kadesh did, is they took one female horse who was in heat and released it among the chariots. And it drove the male horses crazy. And it caused confusion among the Egyptian forces. Now, that happened in in 1200 B.C. Song of Solomon, they believe, was written around uh, anywhere from 10. There's questions about where it was written, but it was written after that. And so that story was gathering around. And you can almost imagine it was was slaying because because what he's saying is that you drive the men crazy. You look so good. And he's referring to, to this story. And so he compliments her on her beauty, and that her beauty is, is so strong that all the men notice it. Now, one time, this was when Stacy and I were dating. I lived with four other guys at the time, and one of my roommates come up to me. He's like, Fred, i got to confess something to you. And I was like, what? And this is when Stacy and I were already dating. And he goes, uh, I was driving down the street, and I stopped at this red light, and, and he drove a, a, a little higher. Oh, it was a truck, and he looked down. And, and he said, and I saw this girl, and she was so beautiful in the car next to me. And her hair was beautiful. And then I looked, and then, and then I realized, oh, it's Stacy. He goes, I, I, I didn't know what to do, so I just thought I'd come and tell you that I noticed your girlfriend was really beautiful as I was driving down the street. And I was like, you're right, she is. Thank you for telling me. Like, ladies, don't you love it? When the guy that's interested in you, the guy that's attracted to you, the guy that you're dating tells you how beautiful you are, like that's what he's doing because words have power. And they have great power. They can make a woman feel like a model or they can make a beautiful woman feel like an ugly duckling. Um, I was also on a mission trip once with this guy. His name's Keith Chancey. He was our youth pastor. Uh, at the church I was at in Texas, and and he and Karen, uh, that was his wife, had this fantastic marriage, and, and, and at this point, they were, I think they were about 12 or so years into the marriage, and he was telling me about a conversation they had, because we were flying somewhere, I can't remember, and so we had hours on the plane, and, and, and he was telling me that they were just kind of doing this marriage check-in. And, and he said, you know, tell me how we're doing. Like, tell me how I'm doing in our marriage. What, what can I do better? Uh, what, what do I need to do more of? And so she gave him some suggestions. Um, but she goes, listen, there's one thing that you do that I don't even know that you do it. And she goes, and I'm almost afraid to call attention to it because I don't want you to stop it. I don't want you to change it because you compliment me all the time. And he's like, Really? He's like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. She goes, you tell me every day how beautiful I am, how good I look in this. Like, like every day you're complimenting me. And she goes, you need to know that has changed the way I see myself. And he's like, what do you mean? He goes, he goes okay, let me ask you a question. So like when we got married on a scale of 1 to 10, which all this is awful, but this is just a conversation they had. On a scale of 1 to 10, how did you see yourself? And she said, I saw myself as a 2, maybe a 3. He goes, okay, now how do you see yourself? And she said, oh, I see myself as a 10 because you keep telling me I am. Y'all, words have power. And so, guys, listen to me. Your wife, your girlfriend, this is true, that she will see herself through your words. She will see herself through her words. And so, guys, don't worry about pointing out their weaknesses or flaws. Trust me, they can see them. Find what is attractive and compliment it. Look and look at her response when she compliments them. When, when he compliments her. Verse 12 says this. It says, while the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. I'll explain that. Uh, my beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breast. Okay, sorry about that. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyard of Engedi. Right, I told you, this gets spicy. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. Okay, there's a few things I want to point out here. And y'all, trust me, if the, just wait. Just, <laughs> just wait. Just wait. So, so again, though, it's about smell, right? Now, now, remember, like we said last week, this is ancient times, and so they didn't take baths and showers regularly. And so they, they used things to kind of cover up their natural odor. And I don't know what this guy has but I would love a bottle of it because because she 's saying that, that when they're together there's this smell in the air and it reminds her of who he is and this term my beloved that's, that that's her nickname for him. We saw his nickname for her this is hers for his, and this little sachet of, of myrrh is what she would wear for her fragrance and it was this little pocket of aromatic rocks and herbs, and it was around her neck. And and it was refreshing and it was fragrant, and and to her, that's what he is like. He is refreshing and he is fragrant. And you can tell by where it's located that he is also very close to her heart. Right? And that's what is happening here. When 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 she smells something refreshing and smells something fragrant and smells something good, it's reminded, it's reminded her of him because that's what she thinks of them. And and this reference to Ngetty is this this oasis. That was in the desert. It was near the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because it's full of, of high intensity of salt water, and so there's no life there. But yet, this 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 pool of Engedi, this flow of Engedi, was this spring of fresh water that was out in the middle of nowhere. And so, around this fresh water, there was all kinds of life and vegetation and animals. And so, she's saying, you know, he is to her like this this breath of fresh air. She is to her life in this in this in this place that she's living in, and. And that's, and so she compliments who he is. And so notice it's not about his appearance, it's about who he is. And, and here's why I think this is most guys, we don't really care about what we look like. Like, we look in the mirror to make sure we are street legal. And that's about it, right? Right? Like, 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 we don't iron our shirts unless we have to. We just, we are, we are out the door. And, But what we do care about is is what she did. Because what she did is she told this guy what she respects about him. She told this guy about who he is, not what he looks like. And when you do this, like you, ladies, when you do this to your boyfriend, to your husband, they walk taller. Because just like Ladies see themselves through the words of, of, the, of the guy that they're with. This man, and all men, I think, see themselves through what you tell us we are. Right? That, ladies, the, your boyfriend, your husband, the guy you're attracted to, that, that that he is the man that you tell him he is. Your words have power. Listen, and, and, and not just positive but negative. I counseled this couple once. This was years ago. And I had no idea what to do with them because I had never seen a married couple where their woman was so venomous to this guy. And that's the only way I know to describe it. She would tell him that he is worthless. Like, and this is in front of me. I can't imagine what they did when there was nobody around. But she said, you are worthless. You are a poor excuse for a man. Then she even told him, I wish you would have an affair so I could divorce you legally under God's eyes. Like, words have power. Positive words, negative words have power. And so, ladies... Tell your man what they mean to you. We have a guy that comes to to church here. The whole family does. they're, They're members here. And he did the Iditarod Trail on foot, thousands of miles in the snow, crazy, crazy, crazy. And he ended up winning a couple of years ago. He wouldn't have been able to do that without his wife telling him that he could. Like, I don't know if you've heard their story, but there's literally a part where he thought about packing it up and coming home. And she spoke words of truth and encouragement to him that gave him the strength to continue. Words have power. Look at this in verse 15. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Doves are the symbol of peace and innocence, and she is both of those to him. She is peace. In his presence, he can relax, and she is innocent. Now she returns the compliment in verse 16. Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. Our couch is green with beams. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. I am a rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. She's gone from seeing herself as unworthy in chapter 1 to the rose and lily here to to, to lovely. Words have power. And then they take it a step further in verse 2. As the lily among the brambles, so is my love among young women. So she stands out. She's one of a kind. As an apple... Tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved a young, among the young men. Young men, he too stands out. But she goes on. With great delight, I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. You see, he not only stood out, but again we see his character when she says, "I sat in his shadow." It means that that, that he was her protection. He was her safe place. And again, he's refreshing to her. Remember her brothers in chapter one that they made her go work out in the field? They, they, They put her out into the sun, which meant that they weren't her protection. He is her protection. He is her shade. You see, this man that she's with is different. This man is a good man and And he's refreshing to the woman he's with. But now things escalate. Look at verse 4. He brought me into the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. So this means that there is now a declaration. They are a couple. I don't know how this worked then. Uh, I don't know if there was a big parade. I don't know what it was. But, But in our day and time, like, they are official. They're Facebook official. Now they're in a relationship. Like, everybody knows they are an official exclusive item. And, and, and that they are together, they are dating, they have claimed each other. But now it escalates even more. Look at verse 5. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. His left hand is under my head, his right hand embraces me. Now, for those of you who have your Bible in front of you, what is the punctuation after hand embraces me? Exca- yes, exclamation mark. That's right. That's where she is right now. There is excitement. This relationship has just gotten intimate. Now, it's not sex. We're going to see that in just a minute. But, y'all, I say this because this is what a good relationship is supposed to feel like. Like when, 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 when there is attraction and that attraction moves to dating and that dating moves to exclusivity and, 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 and there, there, is, there is this commitment to, to be in this together, there is supposed to be this desire to want to have sex, right? To want to be close with one another, to, to want to em- embrace each other. But look at verse 7. So things heat up and then this. I adore you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. And so the caution here is that, yes, what you're feeling is good, and what you're feeling is natural, and what you're feeling is even holy, but it's not the right time. Wait. Wait. So yes, things want to go physically to the next level, but the caution from this couple, uh, the caution from God's word from the ancient of ages is to wait, to not arouse or awaken love before it's time. Now we're going to stop right here because we're going to pick up next week, right? Just getting spicy, leaving you on the edge of your seat. I'm doing that on purpose, right? Here's what I want to do. I want to take a minute and apply this because I want to focus on words before we move into the next phase of this relationship. And so, first, to the singles, what I want to do, just like I did last week, I gave you some warning signs. If you are attracted to someone, some warning signs about what to to look for in that attraction phase. Now, I want to give you some things about what makes a bad dating relationship, right? So, if you've moved from attraction into dating, if these things are happening, I, I, I want you to run, right? If any of these things are happening, I want you to run, not walk from the relationship. Because we see from here uh, some, some things that we can, we can glean. And so for those of you who are married, if you know people who are dating, you can help them with this too. Because here's the first thing you, you need to ask is, is um, are they pressuring you? Are they pressuring you? You know, this, this intimate relationship that we just caught a glimpse of was mutual, They both wanted to go to the next level, but there was still this this wisdom to wait, still this command to wait. And I've seen dating relationships, I've seen dating couples, one of them goes further than they want because the other one wants to, right? And there's pressure. I've I've even heard, and this is particularly men say this, although women have said it too, that if you love me, you would. If that comment ever comes up, run. Don't walk, run. Because this guy and this girl that we see here, she was peace to him. She was a dove. He was refreshing to her. He sat in her shade. He was her protection. And there was no pressure to go further than they wanted. How about this one? Are they critical of you? So are they they pressuring you? Are they critical of you? Do you feel big or small with them? Because she felt big with this guy, who, by the way, was king of one of the most powerful nations in the world at the time. She felt special. She felt protected. She felt known. She felt big around him. And then this last one. Is this a private relationship? Like, do you have to hide to be in a relationship with this person? If you do, it is not a holy relationship, right? You see, they dated just the two of them, but they were not private. They were in a banqueting hall. They were outside. Is your relationship public? Is the banner over you love? You see, the public knew that they were dating. And if your relationship is a secret, it is not a good sign. And so if any of these are present, run, don't walk. Um, Because like my mother says, there's more fish in the sea, right? You see, we will only, because here's what will happen. Number one, you've got to know you can't change the other person. Because that's what happens a lot of times. They're like, well, I'll put up with this because I can change them later. No, what happens in marriage is that it just gets worse, Right? The secret to dating into a, into a great marriage is that you go into marriage with both eyes wide open and you see everything. You stay married by keeping one eye shut. <laughs> right? But if you see any of these things in your dating, run. Now, for those of you who are married, I have a homework assignment for us. And it is this. Spend this next seven days before we meet again Next week, and we talk about their engagement. Spend the next seven days intentionally complimenting your spouse. Husbands, compliment your wife. Tell her what is attractive about her. Know what she likes and compliment it. Wives, tell your husband what makes him stand out from the crowd. What about him is different? What can you tell him and watch him walk taller? Because remember, church, words have power. As a matter of fact, Solomon also wrote the Proverbs. And he says this about the power of words. He says, a tongue that brings healing is the tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You see, church, words have power. They have the power to heal and the power to build up and they have the power to destroy. Now, Jesus expanded on Solomon's words here. And, and, and what he did is he said, listen, yeah, what comes out of your mouth is important. But what Jesus said is the reason that word, those words come out of your mouth is because of what is in your heart. And in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 6, Jesus talks about this good treasure and bad treasure and, and this good and evil that's in your heart. And, and, and the words are connected to those things. And he says this in Luke 6, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the person who gives out good words, this this good treasure out of their, it comes from this good treasure in their heart. And let me tell you, this treasure in your heart, it's not based on discipline, right? Like it's not based on you putting up a post-it note that says, compliment my spouse today. It's not based on a gratitude journal, although that's good, although the post-it notes are good. It's not based on on an Instagram story that's inspirational. The the, the treasure found in your heart that produces this overflow of good words is the gospel that Jesus puts there in our hearts. See, when I understand all of Jesus' sacrifice for me and for you, when I understand all that Jesus did so that I could have this good and right relationship with God, when I say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, something amazing happens. Paul, another writer in the New Testament, says, says this about those who have said yes to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, do you not know that, that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And so you see the treasure in your heart producing this healing and producing this building up of words out of your mouth. Here's the key. It's not about you at all. It's about God in you, the very Holy Spirit of God in you. And so if this is is true, guess what? For those of you who have said yes to Jesus, you get to let the words out of your mouth. For those words to have the right power, all we have to do is rest in the power of God that's in us. Right? And so I have this cheesy little thing that rhymes. But here's what I want you to remember. Is when you don't have good words to say, take some time to pray. Right? Because the Spirit of God, thanks to Jesus, dwells in you. And he can show you what is great and wonderful about the person that you're committed to. He can show you the words to say. Ask him to do that. Ask him how to say what you need to say in a way that is healing and building up. Let God show you how he sees the person that you're with, and he will show you the truth, and he will show you kindness in a way that will transform relationships. So church, words have what? Power. Let's pray. Jesus you are good and your word is good. And I pray as we go into this last song of worship, Father, that, 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 that as Paul said, that inside of us, that we are this temple and the Holy Spirit dwells in each of us, and I pray that during this time of worship, Father, that we will we will tap into that part of who we are, that we will we will surrender to that part of who we are. And, and gosh, if there's anybody in here that hasn't said yes to Jesus, may today be the day that they do that. May right now be the day that they do that, Father. And may they feel the weight of their sin cast off of them. May they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit filling them, Father. And may they may they be able to change the words that come out. Out of their mouth because of you and your presence. And for those of us who have already said yes to Jesus, um, Father, may we just yield to that spirit today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.